Hey, this is Cooper Smith. I'm one of the student worship pastors at Eastview, and I'm honored to welcome you to our Eastview Students High School podcast. We hope this is encouraging, inspiring, and helpful for you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How are we doing? Happy spring break. Guys, I'm so glad you're here because not only is it spring break, but it's also March Madness and a bunch of games are going on. So the fact that you guys are here is awesome. Um, And just a shout out to Cooper and I, because it is spring break, we had this realization this week that this is the first year ever in our lives that we don't have a spring break. So, So enjoy it. Take naps for me. Enjoy your week off, whether you are going somewhere or if you're staying home. Please enjoy while you have it. So, I don't want to talk about myself too much, but there is one thing. So my husband and I moved here in June. There should be a picture of us. That's us. So we were, I was in a wedding last weekend. And so Trevor's awesome. If you, if you don't know him, you should get to know him. He's great. But a fun little story of us is that actually before we moved here, he, he, we knew we wanted to be involved at Eastview. And so he would email people as, as one should, right? He got on Eastview's website, looked up the young adults pastor, and my good friend Josh Jacobs, if you guys don't know him, he's in the gym preaching right now, he would email him all the time, asking like, should, like, how could we get involved? Can we get in a small group? All that kind of stuff. And I remember being so, so embarrassed. I was like, Trevor, stop emailing these people. I'm going to be working with them soon. Like, I don't want them to think I'm weird. But it all worked out. And I'm super thankful he did because now we have the best small group ever. And there are many reasons why I could say that, but there's one reason particularly, and that is the first time we met, I sat in the same seat I still sit in to this day. Okay, I'm not kidding you. I walk into my friend's house. I sit on the left side of the left couch in the living room. And um, I remember a few Thursdays ago, uh, as small group showed we had brownies one day, and I went to move to a different seat to get a brownie. And I remember I I grabbed it, and I looked up, and I said, Kate, your living room looks a lot different from this seat. And she's like, yes, Regan, rooms look differently when you sit in different seats, okay? And as silly as that may sound, I remember being like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. This is embarrassing, of course. Why didn't I think about it? But as my mind kept thinking about this, I was like, okay, when has this ever happened before in my life? And that's when I remembered the first day of elementary school, whether that's second grade, third grade, whatever grade, you walk in and you're so excited, you get to meet all your classmates, all your friends, your teacher, and you walk in and you have your desk with your name on it, and it's like written in perfect handwriting, as your third grade teacher does, has, and I was like, okay, I love it here. I'm sitting by the teacher. I like the spot. I like the friends I sit with. But then halfway through the school year, she does something terrible, and she changes the whole classroom, okay? And so then you're like, okay, I don't sit by the teacher anymore. I sit by the window, and I hear the kids at recess, and I'm really stressed out. But then you learn, wow, this classroom looks a lot different when I sit in a seat at the different side of the classroom, right? And... So you're like, okay, why is this girl talking about um, sitting in seats and perspectives and stuff? Well, not only does this happen in rooms, but this also happens in friendships. In high school, you, you get a group of friends, 
and you become tight-knit with them. You become like a family almost, and it's all great till the, the one day two of them get into a little bigament, a little miscommunication, a little drama, you could say. And then you're like, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this, I don't want to be in the middle of this. No, 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 no. But then you hear one side of the story, and you're like, okay, I get it. This happened for a reason, their side of the story, it makes sense. But then the next day you hear the different side of the story, and you're like, whoa, this isn't, this isn't what I was expecting at all. This isn't what I heard yesterday. When you hear stories from a different perspective, it all looks different. Like when your friends go through a miscommunication, one side of the story always sounds a lot different from the other side of the story. Perspective changes a lot. And that's, that's what I want us to hold on to this morning as we continue the sermon series of this changes everything. And we go through the moments, the days, and when Jesus is about to experience his death and resurrection. I want us to hold on to that um, because not only do we hear the different perspectives of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we also hear different perspectives from the people in the passage. And this morning, we have heard, so we've heard that Jesus had his last meal with his disciples, a.k.a. his best friends, I like to call them. He has also been arrested, and he's been betrayed And now here we are in the book of Mark, chapter 15, the first 15 verses. So it is lengthy, and I know basketball games are playing right now, and it's tempting to watch them, but I I want you guys to really tune in to this scripture because it's worth it, I promise. So read with me Mark, chapter 15. It says, Very early in the morning, the leading priest, the elders and the teachers of religious law, the entire high council met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you have said it. Then the leading priest kept accusing him of many crimes, and Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they are bringing against you? But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews? Pilate asked. For he had realized by now that the leading priest had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, Then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. So there's a, there's a lot going on in this passage. A lot of emotions, a lot of yelling. And this morning, I, I want us to look at the three perspectives of the, pe- the main people in this passage, which is Jesus, Pilate, 
and Barabbas. I want to start out this morning talking about Jesus. And I, I want to talk about Jesus first because he does something so insane, something so miraculous, something that blows me away every time I read this passage. And that is he says four words. And he says this just because Pilate asks, are you really the king of the Jews? And he says, yeah, you've said it. You're correct. I am the king of the Jews. But then he gets accused of all these crimes. And what does he do? He says absolutely nothing. Jesus is silent. Completely silent. Has nothing to say other than those four words earlier. Now, Jesus doesn't argue. He doesn't bicker. He he, ha- he has nothing to say. And it's easy to be like, Jesus, what, why didn't you say anything? You are the king of the Jews. You are God's son. You, you had all right to yell at them, to, to say who you really are. But he knows there, there's nothing left he could do. And he's silent. When I was in college, I took a few counseling classes, and I had this counseling professor. She was one of those girls who, like, she was a little older lady, and she just had that presence around her that, like, anything she said, it was, like, really good, okay? It was like, okay, Judy, I'm listening to you. What do you have to say to me? Please, it has to be something great. And she, she grabbed an Expo marker one day in class, and she wrote on the board something, and then she walked away, and the board simply said, Silence is our friend. Silence is our friend. In the context, she was obviously talking about counseling and how sometimes in counseling, silence is the loudest thing in the room and it's okay to not feel awkward with that silence. Now, where you're like, why are you talking about silence and counseling when you're obviously trying to talk about Jesus? Well, it's important because Jesus used this silence to show his peaceful presence. Jesus could have argued. He could have been upset. He could have wrathed out on anybody, but he chose to show his peaceful presence in the midst of something so terrible. We get upset with people, understandably so, because we live in a broken world. It's easy to lash out when something doesn't go your way, Right, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I, I, I've had my bad moments in the past. But I, I, wanna, I want you guys to ask yourself, how do I respond when something doesn't go our way? Because in this passage, Jesus is such a great example of when something doesn't go your way, he chooses that peace of mind, that silence, because he knows what it's worth. Now, are, are there moments that it, it's okay to not be silent? Yes, I think... Sometimes we get in conflicts and it's important to communicate well with that person we have that conflict with. But again, this passage is saying how important it is to be silent, to to allow that peaceful presence. Now, like me and my counseling professor, Jesus also had disciples who kind of looked towards him for so many good things. And not only does Jesus show his peaceful presence, but he also shows forgiveness. And as we see in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, my good, one of my favorite disciples, Peter, he asks Jesus, now Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive people? Expecting a really complex answer. But Jesus says seven times 70 times, meaning we always forgive people. So Jesus not only shows his peaceful presence, but he also shows grace. 
He shows grace because he had all the right to get angry, to get upset. And lastly, I think he's silent because he knows what's going to come. He's accepted this pain. He's experienced the worst type of depression anybody could experience. He's about to experience this hard physical pain. And he says, you know what? It's fine. It's going to be okay. And he knows that this pain, this temporary pain, is going to be worth it in the end. Now, growing up, I always went to volleyball tournaments, okay? I did travel volleyball for a few years, and every weekend my parents would drag me to a new tournament, okay? Either it was like in Kentucky or Florida, someplace. The places were fun. The volleyball tournament was fine for me. Um, And I just remember, I was like, Mom, Dad, why another tournament? But the one thing, no matter what location we would be at, no matter what teams we would play, no matter the whole circumstance, there's always something so in common with every tournament. They would sell the same shirts, okay? They would sell these shirts, so there should be a picture on the screen, that would say, pain is temporary, pride is forever. And I would be like, okay, the first time I saw it, I was like, cool, great, great quote. It's great. But then the second and third time, and then the fourth tournament, I was like, mom, I can't, I can't even look at this sweatshirt anymore. (laughs) It just looks the same. Even like, I'm like, okay, no matter what font you use, no matter what picture you you use, this quote to me at the time seemed pretty cheesy, seemed pretty generic. But as silly as this quote may seem, I think this is probably what Jesus was thinking. This pain I'm experiencing emotionally, mentally, physically is terrible right now, but it's all going to be worth it in the end. Jesus chose to be silent, he chose to endure the pain, and he showed us what peaceful presence looks like. Second, the second perspective I want us to look at is Pilate. Now, Pilate is a a person of the story that I've loved getting to know more this week, and something to know about Pilate is he, he respected Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He, he knew the miracles Jesus had and had done, but Pilate finds himself in a really tricky situation in this passage. And we notice in verse 10, Pilate finally realizes, oh, Jesus got arrested not because he did anything. He, he, Jesus isn't a criminal. They arrested him because he was out of envy. The people didn't like Jesus. No matter what Jesus did, they just didn't like him. And you can see Pilate and the rest of the passage freaking out. He's like, okay, what do I do now? Like, Jesus is arrested, and he's going to get something he doesn't deserve. What do I do? Now, as we're reading in the Gospel of Mark, there's also um, the Gospel of John, and John gives us a different perspective of this passage and how Pilate treated the situation. And in John 19:12, it says, Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. And Jesus ended up going away and getting crucified. Pilate could have taken Jesus aside and stood up for him. Yet he let his his reputation in in front of him. He said, actually, you know what, I I could stand up for Jesus, but I I love my job too much. I love my reputation so much so that he he wanted to be socially accepted. So he said, actually, I'm not going to stand up for Jesus. I'm not going to try harder. 
And it's easy to read this passage and get so frustrated with Pilate and say, Pilate, you had all the right to do that. You, you could have easily stopped it. But the more I read this passage, the more I realize, wow, this is like us. I remember in high school there were many times when I said, well, I, I, I could have shared the gospel with my friend, but I let my, my pride of wanting my reputation to be good to get in front of me. Or I, I, liked, I liked my job too much. I liked my, my place. I loved my comfort so much that I ended up not sharing the gospel because I got afraid. Now, Pilate wanted to be socially accepted, but we also see in the book of Matthew that he, he's insist, that people are insisting on Barabbas to be released. And he actually ends up, in, in the book of Matthew, he ends up walking away. He walks away, he cleanses his hands, he said, okay, this, is, this isn't mine anymore. It's all on you guys. So Pilate, he, he's influenced, he wants to be socially accepted, and he walks away. So we have the perspective of Jesus. We have Jesus who, who's silent and shows his peaceful presence. And then we also have Pilate's perspective of he, he, he cares so much about being socially accepted, he, he doesn't save Jesus. And now, now we have Barabbas. We don't know too much about Barabbas, but we do know one thing. He, he's a revolutionary and a criminal, and he got in an uprising, and he murdered someone. Now, that's really all we know about Barabbas. And then we also know that he, he's the one that Jesus took, they traded spots, okay? They, they wanted to set free Barabbas, and they wanted to kill Jesus instead and it, every time I, I think of Barabbas, first of all, I, I like to think of Barabbas being like the big bad wolf, okay? Did anybody read like fairy tales growing up? Like big bad wolf, like he's the guy that you don't want to see in public, okay? When I think of Barabbas, if I ever saw him in public, I would do something like this and try to walk away slowly and not get his attention because he's not a man you would want to mess with because he's a criminal, right? Well, I... The, when I think of Barabbas and his situation of him being literally replaced and set free, I, I, I wonder two things that he experienced. I wonder if he thought maybe, hey, I got, I got lucky. I can, I can go off and I can do my own thing now. I can, I can keep living the, the way I lived earlier and just act like nothing happened. Or maybe, maybe he thought, wow, I, I, feel, I feel so lucky that, that Jesus died in my place so much so I feel a little unworthy. I felt like I feel like I, I don't deserve this death. Because Barabbas, who who committed a crime, got got released. And Jesus, who who did nothing wrong other than performing miracles, got this death. Jesus didn't deserve this death. He didn't deserve the pain Barabbas did. And it's easy to read this passage and be like, God, why, why did you let Barabbas get away with doing something so wrong? Why? Do you guys ever ask God these questions? I do all the time. I, I, like, to, I like to ask, okay? And this week I've been asking, why God? Why did you use Barabbas and set him free? And the only answer I have that I've been able to understand 
is that God loves us so much that he used Barabbas to be set free. He used Barabbas to show us that no matter what we've been through, no matter what we've done, no matter what sin we've committed or what temptation we've caved into, that Jesus would still take Barabbas' place, that Jesus would still save Barabbas and save you and you and you and everybody. Jesus loves us so much. It's undescribable. It's unconditional. And sometimes my brain still can't wrap around the fact that Jesus loves us so much that he saved not only Barabbas, but all of us. And I I know you guys are on spring break. I I know it's March madness and everybody's going crazy. But but I I want you guys to hold on to that. To hold on to the fact that Jesus, no matter what we've gone through, that he, he loves us so much so, that God loves us so much so that he would send his son down on earth and experience this pain for us. And here's a simple recap. Maybe, maybe you're like, okay, I don't understand the perspective of, of Jesus or, or Pilate or Barabbas, but let me wrap it up for you. Jesus experienced this pain when we started the sermon series a few weeks ago. Zach talked about how Jesus experienced the deepest depression anybody could experience. So much so that he started sweating blood. That doesn't even seem possible. But he, he, he was so stressed out, his blood vessels popped and he was sweating blood. And not only did he have mental um, sickness like that, but he also was going to experience physical pain. At the end of the passage, it talks about how, how he was going to get whipped. And he, if you read in the passage, he, he ends up getting whipped 49 times. Okay, to, to actually have someone die from this, they need to get whipped 50 times. So he, he knows he's going to experience near-death to death experience, right? But he still chooses to go through it. He could have stopped at any moment, but he says, you know what, it's all worth it, not just for Barabbas, but for everybody. He, he thought of you guys. He thought of all of us. He thought of Barabbas. He thought of all the sins we have committed and we were going to commit. And if you're leaving today and you're like, I don't understand anything this girl is saying, <laughs> know this. Our God is not a God who watches us like we are his own like sim characters. Our, our God is relational. Our God loves us. Our God walked along, walks alongside of us because he loves us so much. He doesn't watch us from afar and says, oh yeah, that, that way you're going through, that, that's hard. I'm sorry, that must be tough, right? No, he, he's not like that. He says, actually, I understand the pain you are feeling. I understand what you are going through. And I, because he humbled himself to be a servant. He humbled himself to be with us. And so, as we continue on this sermon series for the next few weeks, up to Easter, I, I want you guys to hold on to that. I want you guys to know that what Jesus is going through isn't easy, isn't fun, it's hard. So, but it's all worth it. All this pain, it's, it's because he loves us. Jesus 
brings peace into a world that is so broken. I'm going to pray for us, and we are going to continue the time of worship. Jesus, thank you so much for being a God who loves us unconditionally, unwaverly. Lord, I, I pray that this, this morning, that this week, that the months ahead, we know how much you love us. And Lord, I just pray that we allow your word to transform our lives. And Lord, I just I pray that as we continue this sermon series, that we just hold on to the hope you give us, even when it's dark. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for these students. I pray all of this in your name. Amen. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the message, we'd love it if you would join us on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. for our Eastview Students High School service. We also want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast and share it to your social media accounts. To stay up to date, check us out on Instagram at EastviewHSM and check out our Eastview Students YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.